Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and we find ourselves once again on location today in back in Grand Park, except we're not way on the outskirts of town at a farm. We're actually inside the town of Grand Park at probably the most well-known house in Grand Park. When people think of Grand Park, I feel like the first place they think of is the Bennett Curtis house. And we are joined by Scott Z. Scott Zizek. Zizek. Okay. Yes. I was going to ask you, I didn't, I've all, only known you as Scott or Scott Z. So I wasn't sure, sure. what your last name actually was. Yep. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me out or letting me, I guess I asked if I could come out. You said yes. So thank you. <laughs> thank welcome. you for no that. We're sitting in what is the our main dining room. The main dining room right now at Bennett Curtis House. I guess let's start at the beginning. What is the history for Bennett Curtis House begin? Well, Bennett Curtis, the name itself is historical. George Bennett was the builder of the home. He was one of the founders in Grant Park here. He owned the lumber yard in town. So he actually built this mansion here. With the lo- 19, lumber from? Yep, from the lumber, yeah, 1900. It's solid walnut joist throughout the house itself. So there's actually very, very sturdy setup. Our oak pocket doors, we still have our pocket doors here in the main room that do work. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Solid, solid, solid oak yeah. with the five-inch wheels on top. Is that the same heavy. for the, the, the floor, floor here? The floor inlays are solid oak as well, and that was all put in. All that little peacock decor was done by hand by somebody Crafting that and making each one of those pieces fit throughout. And, and at uh, this room in the room that behind us, the dining room, middle dining room there also has that same inlay as well. Crown molding is throughout the entire house. Actually, the second floor has crown molding, which is kind of unusual. But the center, that's where our second part of the name comes in, is Curtis. Senator Curtis had purchased a home in 1919, and they uh, did a little bit of renovation they actually opened this room was two rooms that we were sitting in. They had a divider in here and they actually opened it up so they could entertain more guests. So this was their house. dining room too originally? No, or? originally the dining room was actually the second room there. There actually was a doorway that came in where the picture window was. So you okay. could actually enter off there. But the wraparound porch is original wraparound porch. It actually came around. There wasn't a little bit of an addition, but if you went outside and looked at the coach house, the center had set it up that the coach actually circled around and picked them up on the on the porch itself on the side here, so he didn't have to uh, walk out. Uh, weather was in climate; he, he was able to jump right in his carriage and go. 
the carriage had like a uh, doors on both sides so you could go in and out he had it made yeah. so, so when when bennett built this house then in 1900 it wasn't originally built for curtis then was it built for bennett was for it bennett, what, for her one it, of his daughters yeah one, one of, of his kids. daughters yeah, okay. he built he built homes for all his kids in town so there's still three or four of the homes still here his mom's house is down the street and there's a farm out uh on route one that's was built as well and they're still farming out there and that home's still 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 standing so all the houses do, are do, still do you know if the bennett family still has there are, ownership they, of any of those properties they do not no, no. so the, the all ben, moved, they've all yeah, moved, moved on moved okay down, yeah. that's what i was curious about if yeah. any of the bennett's had of those no had any of those properties not that you know. Not of. that I'm aware of. Yeah. No, I think it's all so there. Senator Curtis bought this in 1919. And how long did he live here then? And his senator for Illinois Senate. Illinois Senate. Okay. Yeah, his dad, actually, his dad owned the bank in town, also owned the brickyard where Lake Matagna is. That's where they dug that out for the clay. I guess there's a story that went around that his dad had a bid with Sears Robot company for bricks and he got it because he had each the competitor's brick and his brick they dropped them his brick didn't break he got the <laughs> got the job or so so the story goes we're not 100 if that's I love, sure i love that but story. um you know the railroad that goes through town here was here at that time as well so like matagna was you know a couple blocks away so they really could go Two blocks, put it on the rail cars and ship it pretty much anywhere up to Chicago or whatever. So, I mean, obviously, they did very well. The senator had was the youngest speaker of the House at that time. He was uh, in the Senate the same time Governor Small was uh, here. He was being primed probably to be the next governor. Unfortunately, he passed away about a year after he had purchased the house here. So, he uh, caught ammonia and actually died in the house. Main master bedroom here so unfortunately it didn't come to how old was he uh he was he wasn't very old i think he was like just in his late 30s so he literally only lived here a year yeah yeah he wasn't here very long yeah wow it's amazing the impact though that he had on the the house just from that moment right yeah just from that one year i mean i guess going back i mean it, it just seems to be a uh, location that's always been set up for receptions and whatnot. Actually, the center had his reception here back then with his wife. They actually, house that's next to us here, the graves, uh, his, uh, he was a ring bearer. So he has passed since, but, uh, you know, he told some stories about, you know, coming over and growing up with, with that hair. But unfortunately, the uh, center didn't. You know, I passed away then. So Senator Curtis passes away. Does his family continue to live here? His wife actually did such a massive property that yeah. uh, she decided that she actually moved into the house behind us with, with that family there. Later on, she eventually just gave the house to the bank. Bank set it up as a boarding house for a little while. It was a boarding house for a while. And then Later on, it became a single-family home again. It was an older couple that purchased the house. You think it became a boarding house probably in the 30s, uh, 1930s? Yeah, late, yeah, and it stayed that way for quite a while. And then they, again, they sold it. Older couple had taken it over, and they actually 
traded mortgages with another family in Chicago Heights that had a family of six. So they they moved in. They took their other house. Yeah, it was just an odd odd thing. But uh, you don't hear that too often anymore. No. Hey, you want to trade? Tra- <laughs> trade yeah, mortgages? trade, trade it, trade <laughs> it out, just trade, trade homes or whatever. So, <laughs> and I'm not quite sure. He's like, oh, that all worked out. But you know, as far as I understood, that that's kind of how that that came about. And they were here for quite a while. The the family. And then after they moved out, another older couple took it, two teachers took it over and, and started the ben, actual Ben and Curtis house before we took over. And they had it about seven, seven years before they had closed. It was closed about two years before we took over. And then we've been here now uh, about 30 years. So when those two teachers had control over it, what were they doing with the home? They had set up a little bit different. They used the... Three dining rooms here. Actually, the back was uh, open porch at that time. So that wasn't enclosed as it is now. We enclosed it when we took over. But because that originally it was a, a, just a big open porch. Open porch in the back, yeah. So it was, uh, wasn't enclosed in at all. So that was one of the first things we did. Like when we came in, we kind of converted that into a closed area so we could use it over the winter months. Because obviously it was only a functional Weather yeah, permitting needed, type thing. You so needed we, to have it. So we for, had kind of plans of getting a little bit larger events. They did smaller events, more price fixy type menus, um, set menus, set uh, seven course type things, six courses, that type of setup. Are you originally from Grand Park, or I, where are you? Where are I, you from, Scott? I, I mean, I'm not originally from Grand Park. I actually grew up in the home of Flossmore area, but I've, I've been in food my my entire life since I was 12 or 13 years old. Your family have a background I had a, in uh, uncle that had a uh, small pub type location and started cooking with him, and then you know kind of moved around a little bit and moved in some other uh, kitchens. Actually, I was in Georgia for a while. My family moved down there, so we were in Marietta and learned from a chef when I was in high school. He kind of took me under his wings, and that's kind of how I learned how to cook. Was with with the chef. He basically I was a dishwasher at that point, and he like wanted the extra help, so. Kind of an unusual situation. It was a smaller kitchen in a hotel and pulled me over there and taught me how to do all the prep and set and set up and cook with them. And then what was the first thing you, you remember learning? How, how to, to prep? Prime rib, actually. Wow. We did, we did a lot. Yeah, we did a lot of <laughs> did a lot of prime rib there. It was one of his specialties. And he kind of just, you know, that was one of those things you did real early in the, you know, start your shift, get it prepped and marinate it out and, and get it in there and get it ready for the day or whatever. And what so, kind of spices were you putting or how do you marinate prime rib? How do you? We use a, a wet and a dry rub type situation with that. We do like a Worcestershire wet rub. We do a dry mixture of garlic, salt, pepper, basil, bay leaf, that type of thing. So yeah, so and, and we let it marinate overnight usually. You grow up in between Illinois and and Georgia, spending time there. Then you eventually come back to Illinois, right? I come to that, yeah. I mean, kind of a roundabout way to get to this location here. I actually worked in the corporate aspect of work for Perkins. uh, The restaurant, right? Restaurant for Perkins. I worked on both. I worked for the corporate, and then I also worked for the franchise side because I ended up going down to Florida as well. So Kind of started out in Illinois with Perkins, went up to Wisconsin. Is Perkins still around? They are still around. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're still there. Not in Illinois. I'm trying to remember the I, Wisconsin or some yeah, still. I, I went to Minnesota. Perkins one time, maybe two times, and I can't even remember where it was. 
It must not have been Illinois. Well, we had, well they mean, had a, uh, Bradley. They had a location here. Did Bradley. they really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It definitely wasn't local. It was like either in southern Illinois or yeah, the Indiana old um, or Perkins somewhere. here is the building that drawing a blank on the restaurant in front of Turks. Oh, right now it's Yolks and Berries. Oh, Yolks and Berries. Yeah, that's the old Perkins building. No way. Yeah. Say, I did not know that. Yeah, it's the same. It's the exact same layout. The Perkins, you know, all the prototypes were kind of made that way out of the restaurant with the dual kitchens and okay. so forth. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's kind of where I started out was with the, with that, went up to Wisconsin and worked in the those locations up there. It kind of became more of a troubleshooter for the kitchens and go kind of where there was a issue that I kind of went into the kitchen and kind of fixed those type of things. So, and then I ended up vice president of Perkins. It used to be, had bought a franchise in Florida, came up and offered me a job down in, in Florida. So I worked with him for quite a while and stayed down there for a couple of years and then came back up to Wisconsin, start with Marcus Corporation. And while I was with Marcus Corporation with the, the big boy chains, um, worked the Summerfest grounds up there, ended up kind of wanted getting on my own and things like that. So my uh, wife's parents lived here in Grant Park and this came available. So that's kind of how we ended up over here. We, we were looking at property up in uh, Kenosha. I lived in Kenosha at that time. We were looking at a unique property up there. It was like an old church that was kind of converted and it closed down. But uh, Kenosha is such a cool town. Yeah, it's you know, right along the lake. And yeah, they have a lot of, to offer. It's large, but small. It's, yes, it's hard to kind it, of it describe. Gives that, right. Yeah, it gives that yeah, feeling of it's large, but over small. Over 200,000 people, I think, there, but you wouldn't, it, it doesn't feel like that. Really. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of a unique setup. And like you said, at the lake, you, know, you have all those amenities there that are right at your fingertips. And if you want to, you have the option of going up to Milwaukee or you can. Yeah. Chicago as well. I mean, you're within, you know, 45 minutes, both, you know, in both directions. So that's a good spot. <laughs> um, now you're looking at doing a nightlife type thing. I mean, it's really easy to go either direction from there. So when you were looking at properties, then what was the intent of doing exactly what you're doing now? Or what was the original idea? Yeah, the intent was to do something different than just normal food uh, aspect to create something that's a little bit unique, a unique location. Something be able historical. To do special events. Historical is kind of a, a little bit of a push towards, but we were looking at doing like special events. And that's, you know, we had the idea of doing our mystery dinner, you know, mystery dinners. We, you know, they had the train mystery dinner up in um, Milwaukee there that was very popular. So kind of thought, man, that'd be kind of a neat thing to do as a special event in a restaurant setting. When we took this over a couple months after we were here, contacted the uh, theater department at Alvet and got some leads with them and we kind of talked and worked with their um, group and we started putting things together and gave them a little bit of a project to come up with a storyline and whatnot. We kind of interject how we do the food and make it a flow, you know, nice flow type situation. And we've been doing that, you know, for 29 years, we've been doing the mystery dinners. And is this still Olivet that you It is with? not Olivet at this point. Um, we actually um, have our own cast that we put together. It's a, group of different adults and people that are very into, you know, the acting and having fun and, and whatnot. We uh, work as a team as coming up with the ideas as far as what our uh, play is going to be about or mystery dinner is going to be about. So everybody has a, a say in like how we want to set it up and, and to actually stuff. write them or we, do we you... write? Yeah, we do our own. Yeah. We oh, don't, that's cool. yeah we don't, so yeah, we come up with the ideas. We kind of storyboard well, that would, it out. I would save you some money through. because licensing for, <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> because because it, it, just to give you a backstory, if you're not familiar with how it works putting on any live play or musical, you have to buy right, or you have, right. to, you have to get a license in order to perform that. Right. So and that can be pricey. Yeah, we looked into that and that was one of the reasons we thought, well, we'll take a look at this and see how, how we can, you know, come up with some different ideas and fun ideas and stuff like that. And and again, it was kind of unique because we, we do a five course dinner for it. Kind of think of the event as acts. So my cast is actually have to finish a certain thing before we serve soup. And did somebody die? Can we serve dinner yet? You know, so my <laughs> kitchen's kind of waiting, waiting. Did the body get pulled out? Can we actually serve serve the meal now? We don't want to trip over the dead body. Right. And, and you know, we try to let the um, audience that, you know, the, the guests that are here kind of have fun with it. They don't have to actually take a role. So if you want to come and sit back and you're that person observe. that does want to be, you know, a little extroverted or want to be back, you can watch and observe and take notes on our program. We have a place you can, you know, figure out who said what or what you saw and, figure that mystery out. But if you want to get involved, you want to question one of the cast members that did something and ask, Hey, how come I saw you leave or I did, you know, whatever you're able to do that as well. And kind of a, a lead person that kind of reels the, the group in. So it's not, you know, a forever time. I mean, you kind of get everybody back on track and get that together. But if you're a really good detective, we actually give a gift certificate out to the winners. So there is a little bit of incentive. So towards the end of the play, you have to write down who you think did it. We collect all those answers from everybody. So no one can change their answer at the end. <laughs> um, and then we finish out the play and, you know, you can find out, did I pick the correct person? Did I not correct? And um, our cast is very personal. They hang out after the events. You can kind of talk to them and find out who they really are. And so it's, it's a very touchy feely type set up you know we use it we only use this room here for that so it's a smaller group so you get to know everybody and might make some new friends at the at the same time too that you come in with you do that all year round we do that year round usually we try to produce one show per month and we also do it for like private groups too we've done it for bachelor parties birthday parties anniversary parties where you know we gear it towards them a little bit so sometimes we have some fun we get some information about the guest of honor or whatever and we maybe a work work some things in on that as well. <laughs> oh, that must be fun. And currently right now we're doing a roaring twenties theme. So, you know, we've had everybody probably perfect, about 60, set, right. 60, yeah. 70% of the guests kind of come in dressed in that period of time. Our cast is all dressed in that period of, for uh, costumes and stuff. And everybody seems to really like it. So we're rolling with that for the rest of the year. And probably the first of January, we'll still have that. And we have a lot of fun props and stuff that are uh, for photo ops and things like that, that you can take. So and then there's also the Hogwarts experience that you do as well. Or is that? Yes, we're still working with that. That's our wizarding dinners that we hold here at, at the mansion itself. We transform the entire mansion from the porch. When you walk up to our porch into every room, there's not a room that isn't set up that way. So, you, you know, you're immersed into it for that time frame that you're here. You get an opportunity to get sorted. We play a trivia during dinner again. So you uh, are playing for our house cup. So you have bragging rights in between each of the sessions. So you might have that cup on your table. Uh, you just won the last session, but it could be taken away from you uh, <laughs> towards the end of the game. And then we have some of the things that, you know, go on with different photo ops and things like that. Two years ago, we added our escape room. Again, that's something we've built. In the house? In or the house. is yeah, it we like do out a, in the... It's an escape room that we have set up. It's uh, Escape from Axabon uh, uh, right now. 
you have an opportunity to try to escape from that. It's usually uh, we have up to eight players for that. So you have an opportunity we'll give you about an hour to get out. So, and you don't have to be a, a Harry Potter fan or know a lot about Harry Potter. I mean, it could help. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. We have some really unique things to try to, puzzles and things to try to figure out. They are geared towards that aspect of it, but it's not a necessity to know that. You need some other skills with you as well. And now that's not something you have to book that in advance. You can't just show up. Right. It's a pre-booking type thing. We'll start that at the end of October. We'll have that room set up and we'll go through probably the end of January. We do a lot of, uh, and you can come out just to do the escape room or we have like a special dinner that you get your dinner and then you can go and do the room as well. So and I would imagine the, the dinner itself is all geared around the things you would eat right. at Hogwarts. Hogwarts right? Yeah. So it's, a, it's it. And then, you know, the decor is set up that way as well. So it's yeah. kind of a little bonus type thing. We do private birthday parties with the, uh, Harry Potter theme as well. So you can set that up. So we have that available and we have that available year round. We'll transform the dining rooms into you know, a great hall and that type of thing. That's and, so fun. Um, we actually sort the birthday party or the group <laughs> or anniversary party and things like that. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Everybody comes out and we encourage everybody to come dress. We have cosplayers that are set up for this. That's here at, at our location, but we also do our festivals. Wizard Festivals. Is that uh, the one that premise. takes place at Northfield we Square? We did one. At, yeah, we've done it at Northfield Square Mall. We've been up in Chicago. We actually, we work with Boys and Girls Club right now in Indiana. We've done some fun, you know, we've done those as fundraisers at the clubs themselves. Actually, we have one coming up at the end of October, October 23rd, I believe it is. It's a Saturday up in Portage. And that we transform the entire club into Hogwarts, you know, you're immersed. You actually get to go to classes there. We have our professors teaching oh, that's, defense against dark arts. That's even better. <laughs> potions and flying lessons and so on and so forth. So you get an opportunity to really immerse yourself. With COVID, we had to kind of change, switch gears a little bit. We were So we uh, came up with the idea of setting up a school schedule. So as you came in, you checked in, you, be, you know, you were in period one, period two, whatever. So you stayed with your class. So it was like maybe a group of 20 that moved. So you got a class schedule. We actually have a a big school bell that we ring to move. So you have a passing period. We also have study hall, which you can go get food or whatever. You have a meal period as well. So it's very geared. Like you feel like you're going from class to class and you get moved around. But it was also for the safety of the guests and trying to keep everybody together but everybody really liked it so we've like continued that through right now and obviously the groups are a little bit larger but we continued that format which everybody seems to really like oh absolutely so getting back to the house what is your favorite part about this house or what are some cool parts about this house that are very unique unique i mean besides what we've already talked about the, sure. the historical well, I mean, sense because uh, um, this is actually a, is this a historic? It, it is not because is, of okay. the changes that everybody's made throughout oh, the years. No, that's been a bummer. Ad- we do maintain that though. The addition we did put on, we talked about earlier about yes. that in closing. I actually took the windows and we used the same windows as the house had on the back and we put them on the side. So it looks okay. like if you're looking at the side of the house, you think we, it's, it's origi- still the original. We use the same cedar siding, which was. Uh, a little bit difficult to find because the size of this is a, a size that's not typically made. You know, it's a bigger slat than we're using. 
we had a maintenance gentleman that worked with us part-time and we created a tool to cut out to make the slats the same size as this because the boards are a little bit larger than they're supposed to be. So we have a little bit more of an overlap than than you normally would, but just so it matches up with with the house so it looks like one continuous I I thought we thought it was important to kind of keep maintain that as well. Yeah. But I mean the structure, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean pocket doors were kind of a fun thing to see if they would work or not work when we first got in here. So it's kind of a cool, fun this was carpet originally. When we got in, I decided to kind of let's let's just like pull this up and see like see what this actually here. looks like yeah. and how much work we want to put in. And we pulled it up and we got the big sander out and we decided to go ahead and go for it and and redo the floor. So decided to go ahead and show everybody what that looks like and uh, you know the uh, architecture and the skill that those uh, gentlemen had when they were building this and having the patience to make thousands of these little one by one cuts and then drop them all and then drop, make them all fit and drop in. And they're not, you know, they fit and it fits all the way through. So, and to do hundreds of square feet of those is amazing. Math is important. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And you can kind of see that like in our doors are all original. The glass is all original in the front main room here. We have the curved glass. That's one of the coolest parts about this house is the stained glass windows. Yeah. The stained glass that was brought in from a church out in Missouri, but it's the same period time. And that's the ones that go up the staircase. I located, again, we're trying to keep the flow. We in our what we call our rose room. We have that large stained glass back there. They're yeah. two circular pieces or half circles. That actually was a find when I was looking for restaurant equipment to convert. And the previous owners pretty much used more uh, household equipment. We were looking at doing a different menu, so we put a hood right, system com- you in. Commercial, commercial equipment. equipment so yeah. looking at on my excursions out, and I'm one that like doesn't have a problem kind of looking at different places, you know. Digging in and looking, sure. and yeah. something caught my eye. There was a huge piece of stained glass that was set up at the location that we were up at, and I was like, "Are those for sale?" And the salesman, I don't know, the owner owns those. Let me go see. Bought them for his wife. So he talked and went back and forth, and lo and behold, he called me and said, "Yeah, you know what? We had this huge idea. We figured out uh, what we're going to do with those, but it's just not going to work out. They're just too big." So I said, well, I'd be interested in those pieces if you could do it. So, yeah. So, I mean, those were found just in, in the same period of time. They had already did the rework on those because they did have cross and stuff in inlaid in there. And they just don't you know, want to produce, you know, have that. So they kind of changed it out, but they used the same color stain and stained glass and everything in there. So you couldn't even tell if you were looking at those pieces. There are actually two pieces. My idea was to make them into a look into a circle. They actually went above doorways. They were like the arches on the two two doors. Okay, going yep. into the church, so they were up above that. So I just kind of envisioned them, flip them on top of each other, put them on there, and boom, we fill that wall back there. Kind of ties in. So you walk in the front of the house, you see that stained glass, and you walk through the dining room, you see the stained glass, stained glass. again. Yeah, even though that room is brand new, it's still gives you the feel that that room was always there. So. Yeah. And I know you kind of talked about the upstairs a little bit with the, it's got crown molding mm-hmm. as well, which you said is kind of unusual, but do you utilize the upstairs for, is that mostly storage? Actually, I, I live on premise still. Oh, okay. Uh, one of my sons live me, lives on premise as well. We have a third floor above that. Um, that's There's fully three finished. Floors. Yeah. So that's fully finished up there as well. So that's like a whole nother setup with 
So that's um, you guys living yeah. up there. Yeah, so we okay. live up there. We have one room that we have as a ready room for the brides. So sure. It's a whole setup. They can get dressed and mirrors and vanity Well, I imagine so probably so for forth. some of your cast members yeah. too for yeah. like murder yeah, mysteries and, and stuff. And as you mentioned, storage, yes. yes Lots storage, of storage, yes. yes. Well, I know you still have the original coach house, right? Right. Yeah, so I'm yeah, sure you so, use that. For- yeah, the upstairs is all storage. Downstairs, we have a bar set up in there and kind of set up an area for the DJ can set up in there, do a cake display and so on. So we kind of use a lower area for the outdoor events, tent set up right in front of that. So it's like a big indoor, indoor-outdoor setup. So it works out well for us. And then the above area is all... Storage and very well stored. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Yeah, you got to have some, especially all the Harry Potter stuff. And yeah, just, actually, there's probably yeah. very little Harry Potter in that. We went, the, you know, the direction we went with that, they're all in trailers right now. Oh, okay. So we try yeah. to, yeah, since we use that for the festivals, it was easier than to. Oh, that's true. Get it come down. Yeah. Any, yeah. Unfortunately, the out, coach yeah. house uh, has the old two foot staircase going up there. So it's a very skinny staircase going mm-hmm. up with a trap door type setup. Oh, man. So, you know, it's going in. Going up to like the hayloft type setup. So, I mean, it's, it's it's all the original flooring up there and joists and so on and so forth. So, it's a again, little scary. It's just, <laughs> you well, know, it's been there, but again, it's it's sturdy, sturdy with that walnut and the walnut's a solid three inch pieces of wood. So, it's it's built to last. So, yeah, obviously. And also want to point out this some might be wondering the same Bennett Curtis that you might see out. At festivals selling food, that is you. That is the Bennett Curtis yep. yeah, as well just... of this house. You guys are at so many different festivals throughout the county or just events that are outdoor events or indoor events that Bennett yeah, Curtis It's another is aspect of. that we like doing. It was kind of a fun thing for us. Venture off and see see what you know, what that was all about. And it just kind of took off and we decided, you know, we started out in a tent and start popping up the tent and at those events and cooking and popping up. And I was like, okay, could we make our life a little bit easier? And, you know, eventually we moved into the trailer and then here we are now. And some of your signature items, what are you best known for? We're known for our uh, Texas potatoes, which are a red roasted potato and we build them there. So pretty much put everything on there. We have roasted peppers, jalapenos, bacon, sour cream, nacho cheese goes on top of that. If you don't want any of that, you can pull it, you know, we build it, you know, right then, you know, right there for you, but get all that stuff on top there and continually are cooking and roasting throughout the event. We have a homemade mac and cheese that we do. So that's been a really popular item as well. And our pulled chicken kind of can be a sandwich or it also goes on top of that mac and cheese Ooh. or on top of the potatoes. So, oh, so it kind of gets a double, double type thing. So. Those have been our popular items. I mean, we do our Black Angus burgers and beer brats and so on, but those are probably our top selected items mm-hmm. at the events. And it's something different. Everybody does fry. We don't do any fried food. So a lot of the outdoor, and that was one of our goals is not to do fried food, is to you know, offer something that isn't fried. So that's kind of the direction we took. So Yeah, it's something different. Offer, offer something a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. You want to stand out from what everyone else is doing. So if people want to reach out to you or find out more about the Bennett Curtis house, where do they go? They can go to our website, which they can pull all, everything we're talking about is, is all available on there. It's BennettCurtis.com. And they can reach out old school and call us. 
815-465-2288. I could order a Facebook page and message us that way. So, I mean, we, we have all the medias um, are available. That's kind of a little bit different now. It's kind of hard sometimes on our end as a business trying to figure out where we want to reach out to everybody. But if they want to reach out to all those different medias, we're available all the way. Well, you definitely helped put Grant Park on the map. So and I feel like Bennett Curtis House is so important to the county. So thanks for well, thank you. you. Know, thanks I for all you do. So well, I think you know, we uh, appreciate all the support we get from the community. We, you know, we're very community orientated. We try to, you know, you mentioned those events and things like that. A lot of times we're at special events and do some donations back to, to a lot of causes and things like that as, as best as best we can. Awesome. Is there anything else about Bennett Curtis or anything like that you want to mention? I, I think we talked to and kind of covered all our bases. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a, lot, a yeah. lot. I mean, there's I'm so much. I'm sure everybody's just yeah. kind of like, okay, well, you guys do all this stuff, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> there you know, is how a you lot. keep that. That's why I wanted to thing, point out yeah. like the same Bennett we, Curtis you see. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, and everything's kind of just as a separate, kind of run each thing as a separate business. The, the food truck is a separate type entity we run. The festivals, actually, we have wizardingevents.com. You can go on that. That's a separate website. And that specifically is all geared towards our wizarding events that we hold and things like that. You can go and check out photos and find out about dates and tickets availability and things like that. And then Bennett Curtis, you can go on there and all the information about our special events with mystery dinners and you know, if you want to hold a shower, or a wedding, wedding yeah. you know, I mean, that's, that's probably our biggest thing is our, our weddings and ceremonies. You can do everything on premise. It's probably one of the unique things about the location. You can plan it completely outside. If mother nature decides not to cooperate with you, you can move the event inside and you don't have to worry about, we set everything up on an A and a B plan for everyone. So hopefully take a little bit of worry out uh, for everyone that, you know, wants to plan that outdoor event because that's probably the first thing on their mind is, you know, you're worrying about the weather and you're like looking at the weather report and driving yourself crazy for the 10 days, seven days before, three days before. And yeah, you're checking, just constantly yeah, checking. Yeah, it. checking radars and, you know, whatever to see, okay, <laughs> How's the cloud moving? Which way is the wind blowing? Is it take one of those uh, yeah. weather weather watcher classes? Is yeah, that what they call them? Or, or yeah. the um, oh, I storm chasers? Story. I don't know. There's like yeah. a class you can take. And it teaches. It teaches. It's just like a. It's like a one or two time session, and it teaches you how to read a radar. And I can't remember what they call it, but yeah. like you can take those classes and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we look at, I mean, the Farmer's Almanac, however they put that together, they're pretty spot on. I mean, you find they're, that they're, they're spot they're, on? They're, they're, yeah. they're very close. You know, okay. no one's going to be perfect with the weather. No. Yeah. But get a general idea of what it looks like yeah. that time of year or coming up or whatever. And again, it's not a foolproof type thing. And like I said, we offer that little bit of the security of the event and a little bit of peace of mind that, okay, it's not a hundred percent. And we have our covered walkway leads to the tenant area. So you can still be outside in the event, still feel like you're out in the gardens and things, but still be undercover and not your perfect ideal situation that you were, you know, dreaming about and out in the lawn and sun and so on and so forth. But you can still kind of get all those things, aspects of it and still and yeah, you have the ambience of the the mansion as well. So sometimes we do kind of a flip-flop type thing where we'll start out in the garden and come back into the mansion and you have this ambience and you go back out and the lights all take effect and you're out in the garden again. So kind of get best of both worlds. So Yeah, it's nice to have that option if need be. 
if yep. the weather's not it's, cooperating. Yep, so. it's it's one of those things with an outdoor event. You know, we deal with it every single weekend because you know there's probably not a weekend that we are not at an outdoor event. So obviously, not every weekend is not raining. So yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, we're kind of one of those situations where we're prepared for it. We're used to it. Obviously, somebody that's getting married for the first time and <laughs> planning an outdoor event for the first time is going to be a little bit more on edge than <laughs> yeah, than us. Yeah, you like, know. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. We'll bring about a second it. Uh, uniform with you. You know, we have a setup uniform that you're in the rain and do a quick change and get some dry things on or start again. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you so much. Scott. I appreciate this it. Was it was good talking with you. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast with a family member, friend, or neighbor that you think might enjoy learning new things about the people and places of Kankakee County. Also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Karen Bishop, James Reardon, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Daryl Damper, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Don Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Barry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. To become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com and then just click on the patron tab. If you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode. There's also other rewards like early access to new episodes, unedited versions of episodes, even video versions of select episodes, podcast merch, discounts on special events, and so much more. Your monthly pledge is truly appreciated. Our monthly goal right now is to reach $400 per month and right now we're about 37% away from reaching that goal. So please sign up for the patron program today at kankakeepodcast.com. Our theme song is by Lupe Carroll. This-